The Deal with Yield is a podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. Tune in to episodes on iTunes, My Farm Radio, and the Growing Knowledge blog on AnswerPlot.com. It's time again for the Deal with Yield podcast. As usual, joining us, Joel Whipperfirth, Winfield Ag Technology Application Lead, and Winfield Master Agronomy Advisor, Kyle Reiner. This week, we'll be discussing how crop standability and moisture levels can help determine harvest order. Kyle and Joel, when should farmers start to evaluate crop standability to determine harvest order? Well, I think one to two, maybe three weeks before harvest is a good time to be walking the fields. And it doesn't take too long to pop in uh, off the headland into all the fields you've got and, and really do a triage. Or in other words, treat the patient with the most severe injuries first. And one really easy way to do it is right where the ear is, just lean the stalk over until it snaps off. And if you do about 10 stalks, you'll start to get a scale or a, a triage scale of which fields are snapping the most stalks off. I kind of call it the wide body test. You can walk down the rows and you can start to feel the ear snap, and, you, and as well as lower stalk snap. Some guys are a little wider like myself than what Joel is. We don't necessarily have to lean on stuff so much. It's just natural. It's a good way, and if you start pushing over and they're kinking on the bottom, you know, you can dig them up, you can split them up with, with a knife, and you can see if there's stock rot. Those would be the first fields that I would focus on if I was growing and combining that field. You can also look at shank attachment, and if you're starting to drop ears, you might have all the yield in the world out there, but that plant had to typically rob itself blind structurally to get there. And it doesn't really care whether or not you harvest it. It's all about its progeny falling back to the ground. So stock strength is a big thing to scout for. We do get a lot of high winds, whether it's on the west side of Minnesota or the east side. We'll get big winds come through, so it's very important for these guys to evaluate the stands. We go through the best possible strategy on getting the corn planted. We feed it throughout the year, and if Mother Nature throws a bunch of curveballs and have too much rain or not enough rain or such, it can cause some cannibalization of the stalks. If a disease sets in, it can cause some of that. Splitting those stalks with a knife, great test. Doing the wide body test or the big shoulder contest with Joel, that works too. So the last thing we want to do is leave it stand too long. It's a high commodity. Whether the prices are $4 or not, we need the bushels in the bin, not bushels on the ground. So I always tell people, let's go jump in there. Let's take a look. Make sure you wear your sunglasses so you don't slit your eyes with the dry leaves. So Kyle, right before you're about to start harvesting, what do you naturally start to look for in a field? So as the crop's starting to die down, you naturally it dies from the bottom and the top at the same time. Meats in the middle, you go out and you grab your ears, you start shucking your ears, you start looking at moistures on your crop, on your ears, and you kind of get an assessment on where stuff's drying down. So obviously the moisture levels are standards that we're trying to get to for storage quality. But I think one of the things we've experienced in corn is this wide array of growers' capability to harvest in a certain time frame. And we typically get a lot of drying moisture. Corn, when it hits black layer, is somewhere between 30 and 35% moisture. And we can lose a point a day, typically until about the 15th of October. And then historically, it just tends to get cold. And we maybe lose a quarter to a half point a day up until November at which we're not going to lose much. So you kind of have to look at how many acres can your combine get across? 
how dry is the corn going to be? And I think one of the things I've seen growers really take advantage of is their drying systems can carry more bushels, and they've started to go out and get corn while it's standing, pay the drying gas on it, and they're getting more bushels because of it. They're getting all the grain off there without letting it fall down or lose some of that yield out there. You know, it's something that we're not necessarily blessed with is winter sometimes comes early up here. It's not necessarily how fast the combine goes across, but how much tillage you got to do, too. We start getting pushed. If we're running behind growing degree units, we start getting pushed back, and it's not cheap drying corn. But we do understand there's a day coming when that ground's going to be solid, and it's not going to thaw out till spring. And that tillage has got to be done. It's so crucial to get that tillage done just on managing residue. So it's another factor to think about other than just, when do you want to start the combine, or when do you want to stir up the dryer, or how much gas do you want to burn up? You know, that residue breakdown piece, I've seen as much as a 10 to 15% lower residue count in the spring as a result of getting tillage done in the first part of October. I think we underestimate how warm the soil is and how much potential we've got to start breaking down some of that high carbon content stock residue so that our spring planting conditions for corn on corn can be a little warmer, a little bit more fit, and a little bit less trash out there. We have to really think about how we manage stock and residue coming up in the future is how many passes we go across the field and what size particles or what size lengths of stock we want to have and the more stocks you have chopped up or the more it's busted up there's another spot that the oxygen can get to it and the breakdown happens so we don't have the warm and cold fluctuations as they would down salts where you can leave your stock stand and they get the natural breakdown in the field some guys spray nitrogen over there to help the breakdown of the stocks and we just have to do a better job of managing it while we have good conditions because as soon as it gets cold nothing goes in the ground and nothing breaks down as far as microbes chewing at stuff to break it down when it gets cold yeah, you know i get a lot of questions on that in the fall of should i put on some nitrogen and sulfur to feed those microorganisms and start to break down the stocks and i guess i kind of feel the same way that our soil temperatures cool down too quickly for that biological activity to have much effect on being fed by an application of 28%. So there again, that's a place where you should maybe, if the person's making the recommendation, understand which part of the country they live in. And if they're in central Iowa, they probably have some heat in the fall where those microbes can take advantage of the food, the nitrogen, to break down some stock residue. But boy, if you're farming along Highway 14 in Minnesota, you've got your coveralls on, the bacteria aren't working. Should we talk a little bit more about soybeans and moisture levels in the fall? I think we have a general idea where we want to harvest the beans, and we're usually blessed, or it could be a bad thing in the fall, because we're always seems like we're wanting our corn to fall in that 17 to 20 percent in our beans, and we get this big blast of hot air that comes blowing through, and our beans go from 16 to 10, and we can't combine them fast enough in it's always a problem. People put on their air reels, they put, they're using draper heads, they're using everything to collect these beans, and it's so hard to control Mother Nature and the wind that it doesn't dry down too fast. And the last thing we want to do is put a bunch of wet beans in a bin, and they all turn to mush too. So that's a common thing that there's an issue with in the fields of the growers that I deal with. I don't know if it's any different over here, Joel, or not, but they're starting to use fungicides to slow down ethylene process to keep the plants a little healthier so there's timing of combining is different but there isn't a great thing to overall mother nature 
Well, I think on a global outlook and understanding that China is going to demand more protein and potentially from soybeans, I think the outlook is that this is going to be the decade of the soybean. So as you look at ways to operationally get across your acres, you're going to see folks start to spread out their maturities. They're going to maybe have a little bit wider range, uh, maybe going from a 1-1 bean all the way up to a 2-3 bean in some geographies. I think that's one of the ways they'll be able to manage their harvest windows is by spreading their maturities for soybeans out. And I think one really cool phenomenon that we've seen over here is we get this thing called white mold. It's what you get when you get rain, Kyle. And that tends to hurt the soybean yields pretty hard. And white mold comes in through the flower, and the earlier varieties maybe tend to flower a few less days. So maybe there's less days for infection points in the month of July and August. And as a result, some of our early beans really have competed quite well on yield in the, into the 60 bushels. And maybe it's because they're beating the white mold. But certainly growers getting that advantage of a harvest window a little bit wider so that they can get started on them, I think we're seeing a diversification in maturities as we head into the decade of the soybean. I think Joel alluded to it earlier, and that's one thing that I stress among the growers that I work with and, and the colleagues that I work with is spread it out, spread out the risk. You can only combine so many beans in, in a day or so many beans in a week, and spreading out your risk, getting out walking the combines. If you get out and you're walking behind that bean head and you're getting two to three beans a square foot, that's a bushel of beans. That's real money. That's It's just crazy how much header loss there is when the beans get too dry or or maybe you go through a wet spell and then you get dry and you go through a wet spell and you get dry and all of a sudden the beans are popping over. There's times when I see five-plus bushel beans out there, to be honest with you, Joel. What did you see regarding the high propane costs a couple years ago versus drying, taking that crop out early? Did producers really leave it on the ground longer or did they actually end up drying even though the costs were high? I think that that happened. We didn't get a whole lot of heat in the first part of October, so they may have left it out there but it didn't do a whole heck of a lot. So that's the risk that you run. I mean, you look at the historical drying points per day. If you get a cool spring, well, you can leave it stand as long as you want, but it's not going to dry out there. I know maybe they picked up a little bit of test weight, and that seems to be the deal with yield, funny thing. The longer you leave it stand, you usually pick up a little test weight. But once you're above 56 pounds, you didn't really gain much. After October 15th, if you're losing a quarter point of moisture a day, and maybe a half point, you're not saving a whole lot. You're losing more with standability issues that you might have. Go get the crop, put it in a bin, try to dry a little slower than faster. That'll help on the test weight point. And it's just part of farming. Yeah. Some, sometimes you have, you're forced to do something you don't necessarily want to do. I always look at that, leaving the crop stand putting it at risk for one more windstorm and understanding that you might have to raise the ambient temperature of corn 30 degrees. If it's cold outside, you might have to raise it 30 degrees just to get it to the drying point and then start drying it. So I'm always amazed at the growers who are drying corn early that they say, boy, it really flows through the dryer quickly when it's a 70 degree day because you don't have to heat the corn. And after harvest... What can farmers do to make sure their corn is marketable to keep it in good condition? You know, that's always a good question, and every year is different, and it will depict whether it's going to be a good year to store grain or not. When you're planting your crops or your state of wherever you're at is pollinating different times, and you're pollinating for a giant window, and some areas are just first starting to pollinate, some have been done for a couple of weeks, 
you know your corn isn't going to store as well. And when you're going across the field with your monitor and you're spiking from 17 to 25 or from 25 to 33% moisture, you know it's not going to keep as well. It doesn't much matter how much you throw it through the dryer. You're still going to have variabilities within the dryer. The technology is there now. you got all kinds of moisture sensors you drop in your bin. you got a monitor you can hook up to your laptop, and you can do that. You get the old-fashioned way where you just flat out crawl up to the top of the tank and jump in and feel. It'll start crusting over on top when it gets a little heated, but farmers really have to pay attention to that, that they pull the cores out of the bends. That's where the fines will fall to the cores. They don't fall to the outside, so they'll pull out their cores and get the potential. And what the core does, I should explain that, the core is fines. And when you have a bunch of fines packed into an area, the air does not flow through them. And so that generates the hot spots in the tank. So that's what I mean by that. You've been listening to The Deal with Yield with Joel Whipperfirth, Winfield Ag Technology Application Lead and Winfield Master Agronomy Advisor, Kyle Reiner. For more episodes of The Deal with Yield, visit iTunes, My Farm Radio, and the Growing Knowledge blog on answerplot.com.